Is this thing on? Well, I I can hear you, but Adam? Yeah, all good here. Just one question. What the hell are we doing here? I don't know. Well, that's good enough for me. Samsung just had one of the cringiest unpacked events since its Note 4 unpacked event, and we've got the Note 20 Ultra, Note 20 Glastic, a Fold 2, sort of, watch, buds, and tabs. And that's what we're going to talk about here on the Android... It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Hello and welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and if you haven't yet gleaned it from the very subtle introduction clip, I've got my old podcast partners, Jonathan Feist and Joe Hindi, together to chat about the Samsung Unpacked event that happened this week. This seemed like a fun time to do a reunion, and I think you'll enjoy it, but first we have to get to the news of the week. Starting off the news, we got the unexpected, yet still kind of expected, announcement of the Google Pixel 4a. And I'm happy to say that our review unit is ordered and should get to us here by the end of the month. But Google surprised some folks by going ahead and announcing the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5 at the same time. Those two are not yet available for sale just yet. We have a price on the Google Pixel 4a 5G, which is $499, and that's a $150 upgrade for 5G, a slightly larger screen, and a slightly better processor. Probably not worth it. Since the Pixel 4a took so damn long to come out, Google is actually doing consumers a solid here by informing them, hey, there's this super cheap phone here for you, but you might want to wait until air quotes, this fall, and get the 5G version. It's actually kind of refreshing. Otherwise, an eager consumer picks up the Pixel 4a, and like two months later, there's a better phone with 5G, and how you liking that phone now, sucker? Well, we don't have pricing on the Pixel 5 just yet, which is fine. It'll be more than $499, that's for sure. Personally, I'm looking forward to reviewing the 4a. It's been a long time since I've spent time with a Pixel phone. I only wish I'd had the astrophotography around when I was up in the Michigan woods this past week. We'll miss that by a month, so I guess I'll just have to drive out to the sticks to test it out. Oh well, I've driven farther for less before. Anyway, I've got the review slotted for the first episode in September, and don't forget we've got a review of the LG Velvet coming before then, so there's a lot to stay tuned for. One of the worst produced events that I've ever had to watch was the Samsung Galaxy Note 4 event years and years ago, where Samsung had a bunch of actors acting out terrible mini-plays, showing off features on the Note 4. It was vomit-inducing. And it's quite possible that Samsung may have outdone itself with this week's unpacked event, Also for a note, appropriately enough. This week we got introduced to the Samsung Galaxy Note 20, the Note 20 Ultra, the Galaxy Watch 3, the Galaxy Buds Live, the Tab S7, and the Galaxy Z Fold 2. And there's so much we have to say about these devices. It will be our top story of the day with my two former podcasting compadres from the Android Authority days. For now, I'll just say the event was terrible, from a Black Mirror-esque Samsung fans watching in a semicircle around part of the event, to the wooden actors brought out to banter about the amazing new products, to the repeated references of work and play. Oh, 
It was the first virtual event that I've ever watched where I wanted to actively stop watching it and go do something else. I didn't for you. And as far as I'm concerned, everyone listening to this now owes me an iTunes review just for having sat through that for you. Except, of course, the other people that are listening to this that also sat through the event. You get my props. But we'll dive more into that with the boys in a little bit. So for now, we're going to move on. Microsoft announced over the weekend that it was interested in acquiring TikTok in the U.S., Canada, New Zealand, and Australia. It approached President Trump about the deal because Trump has been threatening to ban TikTok, which is a good idea to check with him first. So Trump indicated that Microsoft could proceed with talks, but then he threw a bit of a curveball asking Microsoft to pay the U.S. Treasury Department money for facilitating the deal. Um, what? I mean, I'm not a politician. But I am, for the most part, full of crap, so I feel like I can relate with them on a certain level. But this is not something that I've ever heard of before. Maybe it happens all the time and it just never gets mentioned, but I don't feel like this is that. It almost feels like Trump is suggesting Microsoft pay the U.S. for... What, the honor of buying TikTok? Is that a thing? I really hope that's not a thing. Anyway, I'm not sure how I feel about Microsoft owning TikTok either, but then I don't really use TikTok, so whatever, I guess. It's a massively growing platform, and that would be good for Microsoft. But does that mean it has to be good for the U.S. Treasury Department as well? Netflix started rolling out controls that allow you to adjust the speed of playback of movies and TV. The feature is for Android users only at the moment, but iOS is also planned. Netflix is the first major streaming service to offer these types of controls, and it could make binge-watching even much more efficient. Of course, content creators are lashing out, complaining that this alters their content in ways that they never intended. And can I just say, ugh, artists. While I get that you didn't create the content with the intent of it being played back at one and a half times the speed, does the speed of playback really affect its value? I mean, really? Podcast players have allowed speed controls for years now, and you don't see me complaining. My listeners are welcome to listen to my shows at whatever speed they want, including half speed, which makes me sound drunk. Seriously, try it on any show you listen to. Set the podcast player to half speed and just have the Tylenol ready because you are going to pull something laughing out loud. Don't believe me? Well, here's me talking at 50%. It's hilarious, right? And here's Michael Fisher. If you watch Westworld and you've always been like, oh my god, that prop they use in Westworld that's a tablet and a phone and it's like impossible. Like, TCL just went and built that. It's like a three-pane phone with joined by two hinges. And one of them is an innie and one of them's an Audi. And it's like... This is crazy. And here's Daniel Bader. Again, don't don't jump on me here, but we we know based on numbers that there are more people switching from Android to iOS in North America than the other way around. The, it's not true in Europe, it's not true in Asia. But if you are a North American, you are more likely to be moving 
in in one direction than another. And here's David Amell. I'm a huge fan of like really long lenses and I know a lot of people really like wide angle stuff. Personally, really dislike wide angle stuff. It works for everyone and it's amazing. So Hollywood creators, suck it up. Once you release your films, people can watch them any damn way they want and you know it, big babies. Google knows everything about you. Well, not quite everything as it turns out. Google buys Fitbit. Now Google knows everything about you and the EU is not too happy about it. The EU is especially not happy with the fact that Google knows all of your emails and calendars and where you live and now it's going to know how you're sleeping too. It's kind of weird how sleep data is where the EU absolutely draws the line right here. Regardless, the EU launched an investigation into Google's purchase of Fitbit because they think that will make Google the absolute leader in personalized ads because of the addition of health and sleep tracking data. Right now, Mark Zuckerberg is screaming into his pillow, WHY DIDN'T I THINK OF THAT?! Again, this just seems like an arbitrary line. I'm not sure how wearable data puts Google over the top in terms of privacy, considering how much else Google already knows about you. I mean, I guess Google can already account for 16 out of 24 hours of your day, and they just want the last 8. And you can bet, if Google can figure out how to use the haptic motor to send you Morse code advertising while you're asleep, they're gonna do that if they haven't already. I have had a strange craving for bananas all day today. Hmm. Anyway, I'm not sure how the Fitbit acquisition is so objectionable. It just seems like the EU was sleeping on the job for the past, I don't know, 10 years, and suddenly now they realize they need to care. Good luck with that, EU. During the congressional hearings last week, Mark Zuckerberg was questioned directly about whether or not copying features from other services constituted a threat to those other services. Zuckerberg responded with, what? I, I, what? And then in the next week, Facebook rolled out Instagram Reels, which is Instagram's platform for short form 15 second videos where users can lip sync to music or do silly dances. Sound familiar? Instagram has become a dumping ground for Facebook's feature copying, which includes IGTV, or Instagram YouTube, Instagram Stories, or Instagram Snapchat, and now Instagram Reels, also known as Instagram TikTok. You name a video platform, Instagram has copied it. The only difference is Instagram has a billion users on its platform. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with Facebook copying other successful platforms, except Facebook isn't being very subtle about it. And in some cases, as outlined by the congressional hearings last week, Facebook is outright threatening platforms with it. And I do have a problem with that. And that's why Zuckerberg appeared before Congress. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with all this, except I only post pictures to Instagram and I've been pretty terrible with benefit of a doubt's Instagram account anyway. So, you know, sorry. Phil Schiller, 30-year veteran of Apple, is moving on to become an Apple Fellow, which is sort of a semi-retirement. Apple Fellow is also what old people call the people that work at the Apple Store. Hey, Herman, I see your screen isn't cracked anymore. Yeah, that Apple Fellow fixed it up good for me. Phil's new role will be more as a thought leader, air quotes, which basically means he'll stick around for a few months to make sure the new guy doesn't screw anything up. Plus, he'll probably get a great send-off at the next Apple event, so they can't cut ties completely just yet. Speaking of the new guy, that's going to be a man whose name 
may be pronounced as Greg Joswiak. Hopefully we learn that at the next Apple event as well. And of course, Tim Cook said in a press release that he's thrilled that Joswiak will be leading the team from here. Though honestly, Tim Cook is always thrilled at something. New iPhone? Thrilled! New SVP of Worldwide Marketing? Thrilled! Salisbury Steak Night at the Cook Residence? Thrilled! So, happy retirement, Phil, and welcome, Greg. Hopefully one of your first acts as Worldwide Marketing Guy is to tell people how the hell to pronounce your name. Google Play Music is going the way of the dodo at the end of this year. Starting in September or October, depending on where you live, Google Play Music will no longer stream music at all. But your playlists and other collections will stay until December, so you can transfer them over if, like, you know, you forgot until, like, just now. That's a lot of forgetting, by the way. There's not much more to be said here, except that I am a Google Play Music user to the extent that I pay for YouTube Premium and this just comes along with it. It's nice to be able to hear any song I want, which as far as I know, YouTube Music will still do, so I'm kind of mad about this whole thing. But I know a lot of you aren't, so get to transferring all that music pronto. Time is running out. Android users have been asking Google for a solution for file sharing like Apple's AirDrop for years now. Google is finally making one, but there's a catch. Right now it only works for Pixel phones and Samsung phones. It will roll out to other Android phones running Android 6.0 or greater over the coming weeks, followed by Chromebooks even later. And that's all kind of cool, I just kind of wish it went out to every phone at once, but this looks like a system level process, not so much an app, so maybe that's why there's a delay. And of course this came on the heels of the Samsung Unpacked event. I'd really like to see this solution spread to Windows and Apple as well, so here's hoping there's some kind of public API thing that developers can pick up on. Sharing files between a Chromebook and Android is neat. Sharing files between Android phones is nice, but sharing between virtually anything? That would be awesome. This is more of a mention than a news story since we've seen it coming for quite some time, but Sprint is officially no more. In the sense that Sprint was the launch carrier for the Palm Pre, I'll miss it. In the sense that it was tiny and I never really considered it a viable option, I won't. CNN did an in-depth look at the history of Sprint from its origins to its demise, so if you're interested in a little carrier that couldn't, give that story a look. But because of Sprint's demise, this week T-Mobile was quick to point out that it had actually surpassed AT&T as the number two carrier in the US. As I read this as I was falling asleep, I said, holy crap, that's huge. Then I woke up to the verge saying, well, so here's how this all works out and grab your ponchos because I'm about to vomit some numbers all over you. Yeah, I know, nice visual. Anyway, T-Mobile announced that it has 98.3 million subscribers in both prepaid and postpaid. This is largely due to Sprint's customers now being called T-Mobile customers. AT&T announced in quarter two that it had 92.9 million subscribers to its name, and math tells us that 98.3 is higher than 92.9. But AT&T also has a, air quotes, reseller category with another 6.7 million customers, bringing the total up to 99.6. And again, math says that 99.6 is higher than T-Mobile's 98.3. 
Add to that that AT&T has another 71.8 million connections, again, air quotes, through another category called connected devices, which means watches, tablets, and cars. T-Mobile doesn't really report those numbers unless, of course, those devices are included in the 98.3 million, in which case it's not even close. This race is going to be a photo finish, folks, and I'm sad to say that A, this is all marketing speak, and B, outlets are falling for it. So when and if T-Mobile does pass AT&T, it will truly be monumental, but it's probably going to take more than free caller ID to get there. And finally, and I really only bring this story up for one reason, which I will get to, but scientists have long wondered what the shape of our solar system is. It's a little funny, but basically they define the shape of the solar system as the area enclosed within the magnetic bubble caused by the outflow of stuff from our sun. Everything outside that bubble is basically the interstellar stuff that fills the space between solar systems. Well, scientists have long assumed that the shape of our solar system would be comet-like. Remember, our solar system itself is rotating around the big cosmic restaurant at the center of the universe. And yes, I know the book is called Restaurant at the End of the Universe. I'm borrowing the name for my own purposes. Douglas Adams thinks it's hilarious, or he would if he were still alive. So just stick with me. Anyway, since our solar system is basically flying through space, scientists figured that the solar system would be kind of rounded on one side and tail off into a tail on the other side. Well, they were a little bit off, and this is why I'm reporting the story. Because after scientists modeled the shape of our solar system, NASA describes the shape as a deflated croissant. Now, is it as deflated as the scientists who made the model only to have it called a deflated croissant by NASA? Certainly not. But deflated, it is. So let's go ahead and let the air out of this news segment so we can get into our top story. You probably shop at Amazon, right? Sure you do. I shop there, honestly, probably way more than I should. Fortunately, there's a great way that you can do what you do and help out the show at the same time. If you visit benefitofadoubt.com support, you'll find a link to my Amazon store. So you can pick something up from there, or if nothing there suits your fancy, go ahead and search up something else on Amazon and buy that. Either way, I'll get a small commission and it won't cost you a thing. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadow.com slash support. That's benefitofadow.com slash support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofthedow.com slash support. I hope you visit, and as always, I thank you for listening. If you're familiar with my previous work, then you are going to be a fan of this podcast because I have brought back... Two of my favorite podcasting compadres from the now defunct-ish Android Authority podcast, Mr. Joe Hindi and Mr. Johnny Feist. Joe, how you doing this evening? Pretty good. How you doing, buddy? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for asking. And Mr. Feist, what's up, Westside? Uh, you know, world, uh, Adam says that we're his favorite, but behind the scenes, we drive him nuts. You, they, they really do. That's, that is a true story. That is true 
Facts. And But the reason I brought you both together on this auspicious occasion is because we just had the Samsung Unpacked event for August of 2020, and we got a whole gaggle of devices to talk about, most notably the, Gal- the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra and the Galaxy Fold 2, and those are definitely going to be focuses of our conversation for the day. But I just wanted to start off with some overall impressions of of the of the event because you know we got a we got a new normal or as Samsung calls it the next normal and now we're doing all these virtual events and I've been watching the virtual events that have been going on we've had one from right off the top of my head like we had one from Apple we had one from OnePlus and that's really all that's jumping to mind at the moment Microsoft might have had one but I think I missed it but like in general, I think that companies have made a really smooth transition from live on stage, hey everybody, let's let's look at this phone that's in my hand to these virtual events that, you know, have like built-in powerpoints and stuff like that. They've all done a very good job except for Samsung. I don't know what Samsung was smoking when it put together its its presentation, but man, like I saw a lot of people on Twitter describing it as cringy, which is accurate. Um I thought it was kind of pointless and stupid myself and it was just really weird and it seemed like like right off the bat and I'm pretty sure that this is the case, but someone I may be wrong here, but it looked like he was actually being filmed. At least parts of it were being filmed live because they had like the uh, someone someone on Twitter described it as the black mirror of like all the different Samsung fans watching in the windows around their main presenter, dude, <laughs> which was just That's so a fun way to present that. Yeah, it was so weird. And it was like. Why? But anyway, so like they had that. And so I get the sense that that was a live element. And like they had a couple of pre-recorded things from like Microsoft and from like uh, a gamer named Myth who I'd never heard of, but I'm not a gamer. So that's not that's normal. Uh, So they had like stuff like that that seemed like it was pre-done. But then like some of it was like this looks live, but I don't know if it's live. And if it's not live, it's really bad. (laughs) So, like, I just, I, man, Samsung just swung and missed, and, and, and that was just my overall impression. And I know you guys kind of, kind of, um, caught parts of it. I was just kind of wondering, like, what your thoughts were in that regard. Well, I actually heard a rumor about this, um, on, it was on Twitter, so, you know, take it with <laughs> a grain of salt, because it's a Twitter rumor, and you, we all know how Twitter rumors work, but, right. Um, I heard a rumor that the uh, usually when they do events like this, it's like in Spain or England or like New York, you know, California, some some place where there are, you know, but some other part of Samsung controls the presentation. Right. I heard that uh, the, the headquarters in Korea controlled at this time. Okay. And instead of writing a script for the English actors, they literally just translated what they had written from Korean straight to English and made them read it off the teleprompter. Wow. Okay. That, that explains some of it. (laughs) And uh, so I've read some comments from some people with some check marks. So again, grain of salt, because check marks don't matter on Twitter. But uh, what I heard basically was, 
yeah, this, this, this came across as something that, you know, you would hear in like a Korean English class, not as something that you would see for like a huge tech demo for millions of people from a company that sells hundreds of millions of phones a year. I would just like to point out that the one guy on this podcast that has a blue check mark just said check marks don't matter. So you know what? <laughs> F you, dude. They gave <laughs> me a blue check mark. How much could they possibly matter? That's fair. That is a fair, very fair point. How about you, Feist? What what was your impression of the uh, of the event? Uh, you know, when when you're watching Super Bowl, Super Bowl commercials, you get the five-second slots and the 15-second slots and the 30 seconds and the multi-million dollar 60-second slots. Right. But this 90-minute slot was a little tough to digest <laughs> in full. It really was, wasn't it? Uh, it you know, like, I, I, I kind of didn't mind it. You know, the, uh, I mean, they had to go through the stuff. They had to present the things. And they had to show off the products and all of the fun commercials that they shot. And uh, did feel like an infomercial more than it did a, a tech release. But you know, part of me wonders if that's a bad thing. Uh, the three of us here, we're tech people. We kind of just want the tech. But the rest of the world, the majority of the world, they like the touchy-feely stuff. What does this phone mean to me more than what's inside of the phone? So yeah. I, I think from, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is a tech event for tech people, and we're the ones watching it. I think they misgaged their audience for this event. But, you know, they still had the right focus when they're talking about their general market of the consumers that are going to buy these products. So... Hit and right. miss. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to say anything bad about it. It just wasn't quite right for us techie people. No, I'll say something bad about it. <laughs> it was, it was, I, honestly, I mean, here's the thing about virtual events, and, and this is something that I think Apple definitely understood, was a virtual event is an opportunity to, like, not have bad things happen like you know we've all seen the virtual we've all seen the events where there's someone's on stage and like a demo doesn't go quite right and like the host has to be like oh well i guess uh we're still got some work to do on that or something you know this is like the one opportunity that you have kind of like podcasting where you can have everything go off perfectly as intended and I think Samsung missed out on that because maybe they were going for a live event and that's fine but you didn't have to. I was going to say, like, do you think they were trying to go for that, like, authentic factor? Because, like, everything is so polished and clean and, like, people are starting not to trust polished and clean these days. Right? So, like, you think they were, like, kind of, like, trying to buck the trend and being like, you know what? We're going to, like, do it live and be authentic because that's what people like. And then just screwed it up. I mean, it's possible. It, but it's also possible that they thought... We do events like this all the time. Of course, it's going to be perfect. What could possibly go wrong? Um, you know, it, there might have been a little bit of both of those. Um, so, you just, like, in general, and you know what? I don't want to harp for too long, and we've been harping for quite some time now, actually. I think we should actually just go ahead and take this opportunity to say the event was terrible. Let's move on. Um, to things that were not terrible, one of which was the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 ultra and this man is a beast of a phone and we talked about the galaxy s20 ultra when it first came out and you know i believe i said at the time that this was a device that doesn't compromise at all in like any respect and i think the same could be said for the note ultra 
even more so. But you've got so much good going on here. You've got, you know, 108 megapixel main camera, 12 megapixel ultra wide camera, 12 megapixel telephoto with 5x optical. The max zoom I thought was interesting that they maxed it out at 50x as opposed to the S20 Ultra, which was 100x. But at the same time, I think we can all agree that 100x zoom on the S20 Ultra was. Just because you could doesn't mean that you should. That's it. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> um, and then because like, you could market it doesn't mean you should have marketed it. Right, right. And but then you've got the hundred, uh, the hundred twenty hertz screen, the laser autofocus, and the camera. The Note 20 Ultra is everything that you could possibly want in a phone. I think that's an arguable point. I don't think there's any corners that were cut here. Did, did you guys find any corners that were cut in the Note 20 Ultra? I couldn't find one. Just one. Okay. Just one. The Galaxy S20 Ultra had a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, okay. and the Note 20 Ultra only has 4,500. You stole and as it an from owner. Me. Huh? You stole it from me. That was my thing. <laughs> well, Battery. considering that it's the only thing wrong with the phone, I'm pretty sure that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next time, just interrupt me and steal it back. Um, but, you know, I was a little bit curious about that until I remembered uh, how all of the reviews came out from every website on the Internet. And they were like, this phone is too heavy and too fat. And now I get it. Right. <laughs> That's that extra 500 milliamp hours. Shave that off. The phone's a normal size and a normal weight again. So I ca I get why they did it. But if we're talking about like the phone, you know, like the one that you can throw at people and physically hurt them, the Note 20 Ultra is missing just that like extra 10 grams and extra like 0.3 millimeters of thickness from that battery that the S20 Ultra had. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little sad about it because I was hoping to end the year with a 5,000 milliamp hour battery the same way I started the year with one. <laughs> uh, Fair. But yeah. otherwise, nah, and yeah, they did say that software-wise, and I can, you know, I believe this will be true, is, you know, software improvements and efficiencies and stuff, they can, they can still get nice battery life out of 4,500. That's still a big battery. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have the S20 Plus right now, and I'm getting, I mean, all day battery life with 40% left over, and that's with the 120 hertz on if I feel like it. Yeah. Ooh, 120 hertz. I'm glad you brought that up because my understanding is is although uh, the Ultra does support 120 hertz refresh rate, it doesn't offer it at the full resolution, and there's other throttles on it as well. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the Note 20 only supports 120 hertz um, at the uh, full HD plus resolution. So now I want to move on to the S Pen because that is arguably the reason people buy Note phones. And the thing with the Note is like it seems like every year we got like major improvements in the, in the S Pen. And this year we got lower latency and that was about it. <laughs> and I mean, which is I think that's cool. a huge improvement. I mean, but, cool. But, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. But it's like, really? that That's all you got for me? Because as they were talking about the S Pen, they kind of transitioned over to the tabs, to the Tab S7 and the Tab S7 Plus. Yeah. And then they made this weird 90-degree turn into, like, all the apps that you can use with Samsung, like Samsung Notes, and and then we went into a weirder side trip with Microsoft stuff and how you can sync Samsung Notes with OneNote, and it was just kind of, it was kind of weird, and it felt like it, like, at that particular time in the presentation, it felt out of place, because it kind of felt like they didn't 
finish explaining the Tab S7 before they transitioned on over into all this other stuff. And that being said, maybe we should talk about the Tab S7, which is to say it's an Android tablet, it's an 11-inch Android tablet, and it's super thin even though it's 11 inches. Yay. It has a 120-hertz screen, which is awesome, and it has a keyboard, and it's like $650 and $850 and... Holy crap. You kind of lost me at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not paying $850 for a tablet. But I do enjoy how you were just like, Samsung didn't really explain anything and then went right on to this other thing and went right on to this other thing. And then like S Pen, lower latency, and then you went right on to the other thing. I right. Love it. But I mean, that's what it was. I mean, that's that's what the presentation was. It's like, we, we brought down the latency because we have 120 hertz screen, which actually they didn't say whether or not the latency is improved when you don't have the 120 hertz screen you know when you don't have the screen set at 120 hertz i wonder if it's like one of those things where it's like the um it's the OnePlus phones that do the refresh the screen at 240 hertz but or like the refresh the touches at 240 you know what i'm talking about yeah the 240 hertz touch sensitivity versus the 120 hertz refresh rate i wonder if samsung does a trick like that with the you know even when it's not set at 120 hertz uh no they screen? yeah no that's they, they do it the, the all of their screens are 240 hertz okay uh, so that's probably what they're using to improve the late latency of the S Pen, but like it did, there wasn't really much beyond that. I think there was like an auto straighten scribble thing, but yeah, it um, seemed like they were using maybe too, some that, predictive. What's your next point going to be based on the last several points you've put? Right, right, right. Same but, same technology that tells Amazon what to download so you can watch it offline. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm relatively certain at this point most of S Pen is software. Right, and I'm relatively certain that they're just improving, like they're still improving stuff that they introduced last year. Like I remember uh, writing an article, like a whole how-to on how to do the air commands, right? The air gestures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like there was some S Pen stuff, and they talked about some software stuff, and I'm sure it's fascinating. But I have never been embedded into the Samsung ecosystem. Maybe if I had a Note, I would be, but um, I'm still not popular enough in samsung's eyes to get any review devices and as much as i love this podcast i don't have the budget to spend on a 1300 dollars review device so <laughs> i'm getting I, a, i'm getting a i'm getting a pixel 4a that's that's about the cap of my budget at this point so yeah we should we should really move on into the galaxy buds live which they're calling them the galaxy buds live which i thought was a choice they're open type Are these the beans. Uh, the this beans. is the beans. This yep. is the right, beans the that beans. you put in your ears. Which I mean, I don't know about you, but my ears aren't aren't shaped the same as everybody else's ears. So that saying that those are going to rest comfortably inside my ears, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can really back up that claim. But they're 170 bucks, which is which is I mean, decent for a good pair of. Um, you know, that's a good price for a, a good pair of like wireless, uh, true wireless earbuds. So not not dissing that. They have active noise cancellation now, which is great. They have uh, a bass boost, which is we'll see how that works. Uh, and then they've got uh, six hours of playtime on a charge with 21 total hours of playtime, including the charge that's in the case, which is that's not bad. I'm I'm not really sure how that stacks up in like the world of true wireless earbuds. I don't follow that closely enough to make a uh, real informed opinion on that. But um, these are open style buds, which 
not sure how I feel about that either. I think the the point that they were trying to make was, you know, they don't. You're not shoving Q-tips into your ears, which is important. Yeah, I, I was just goodness. looking at finally the, some earbuds for me closely at some of the build design of it right now, and yeah, it kind of hooks on in the upper portion of your. I want to say inner ear. That's not the right term, but you know, right. it doesn't go into your ear canal. It sits over top, yeah, but then I'm just it clips on above that. I'm kind of wondering, wondering what kind of seal you're going to get on that, and whether the active noise cancellation is going to be good enough to compensate for the fact that there's no seal. I was following along our the conversation we had with our, our team at Sound Guys, and you know they were trying to do their ANC testing with it with these buds as well, and. Uh, you know, they were expressing some extreme concerns, just like you are. Like, yeah. how does it do ANC when it doesn't actually seal against the ear? Right. But the end result was they were surprised at how well it actually did work. So Awesome. I'd be pretty happy with that. And if that's what the sound guys are saying, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with the sound guys. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not arguing with them because, you know, Chris, he he fights dirty. <laughs> so um anyway so okay so then we'll i think we can call the galaxy buds a, a win then we can move on to the galaxy watch the uh, galaxy watch 3 i should say which now correct me if i'm wrong samsung lost the rotating bezel there for a little bit right I, I, yes, like, they, they stopped putting okay but so they brought that back so that's good um, you know, that's that's a win. I've got the Galaxy S3 Frontier, which does have the rotating crown, but I want to say the Watch Active 2 got rid of it. So now it's back. So that's awesome. And this is a watch that's very focused on health, um, not unlike the Apple Watch, but this actually does blood pressure, ECG, and blood oxygen level, um, all of which were... Our I, I, all of which are very important, you know, health data to be able to hand over to your doctor, especially when you're on the wrong side of 40 like I am. So, <laughs> um, however, the pricing starts at like $400, and I don't know, for a smartwatch, that just seems high. But, yeah, I just, like I, like I said, if it wasn't for the high price, if, if you could bring this watch in at like 300 I th- I think just in my personal case, just for the blood pressure alone... Uh, because, <laughs> spoiler alert, I have li- high blood pressure because I'm alive and over the age of 30. Um, but so I think just for the blood pressure measurement by itself, that would actually be fairly valuable to me. Not $400 valuable, maybe more like $300 valuable, but still. Anyway, so we're actually kind of running out of time here. So we should move on to the Galaxy Z Fold 2, which we didn't get a whole lot of detail about except for how they've made it so it's not going to break like the Galaxy Fold, which is important. Um, You know, they've got this uh, flexible glass that they were talking about, and they've got a full 6.2-inch Full covered display. I have clover display in my notes. That is not correct. Full covered display, mm. <laughs> um, which is, you know, basically it's the entire face of the phone, which kind of thought that would have been obvious the first time around, but okay. And then it opens up into a 7.6 inch phone, which actually now I'm thinking that's not so much bigger, but they're talking about diagonal, so it's different. Um, 4,500 milliamp hour battery, just like the Galaxy S20 Ultra, or I'm sorry, the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. Uh, actually, both the same. <laughs> okay, fair enough. 
Samsung your in your Samsung's branding. But um, you know, they they actually pointed out on stage or on quote air quotes stage that they minimized the gap, which I was a fan of. And it just looked in general like it looked like a finished product, finally, which I was just I was happy about. See, now here's the question that I have, right? Because like the first Galaxy Fold really started these conversations and like set like a really cool bar. Mm-hmm. Do you think like because everyone's excited about the Z Fold 2, including me, if I can get my hands on one, I'm going to because it looks awesome. This is what I wanted the first time. Sure. And yeah. couldn't justify spending twenty three hundred dollars on. Um, I still can't justify spending the money, but I might anyway because I make bad life decisions. Um, but no, um, this phone looks effing sexy, dude. It does. It really <laughs> it does. does. It does. It looks effing sexy. Like the outside of it is like a perfectly usable phone. Then you open up the inside. It's a perfectly usable phone. And you know what? If LG could do something like this, they'd be right up there. Unfortunately, I finally got to use that silly case and it didn't work out so well. Anyway, so yes. So yeah, so Samsung is definitely definitely onto something. While I will still champion the dual screen case for LG phones because I am a fan of that. Um I I definitely recognize that the something like the Galaxy Z Fold 2 is damn awesome. So Agreed. yeah, good and, looking device. Yeah. And and that pretty much covers everything that was at Samsung unpacked august of 2020 and so i'll start with you joe what do you got coming up i know saturday at noon um but do you got anything else new coming up yeah saturday at noon head on over to AndroidAuthority.com. android apps weekly still going uh edition number 340 which means i've been doing this for 340 freaking weeks which math says is just over six years yes that's awesome. How about you, Mr. Feist? What are you doing over there at Drone Rush or wherever? Uh, Drone Rush and wherever. Indeed, yeah. Still, uh, I mean, it's the summertime. The weather's nice. It's time to get out and fly. So if you uh, are interested in getting into the hobby of flying drones, come learn about all the laws and figure out what machines might be right for you. Otherwise, when you're done listening to Dow's podcast here and you want a weekly checkup of what's going on in the tech industry, make sure you subscribe to the Android Authority Weekly Newsletter. I've been curating that for you. Just a nice. roundup comes out every Sunday morning of, of the week's top news. Awesome. Awesome. So, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure reunioning with you, if that's a verb. And it is now. And, uh, you know, I, I hope we can get you both on again. I mean, Feisty, you're, I think you're the first return guest. So, congrats on that. Indeed. Thank you. If I, had to, if I had to look back, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're the first return guest. So, congrats on that. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Make yourself at home. Put your feet up on the furniture. I don't even care. Because it's I'm in my your Discord house now. server. Hit me up if you ever want another guest. Damn right, damn right, I will. So, gentlemen, thank you again, and uh, we'll we'll see you both again soon. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I would like to thank Joe Hindi and Jonathan Feist for coming out of podcast retirement to do a little reunion show with me and talk about Samsung. I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for all of his hard work behind the scenes. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.